0: We just watched Eugene on his TV.
1: Can we talk about something else?
0: You don't want to share the fact that we can all go YouTube you, yeah? Know?
1: Actually, I was thinking about this. To give you context, I was part of this paid advertisement slash content series for McClellan where they basically wanted to know the story of me leaving Hypebeast, starting making, etc. It was interesting.
0: And it's published on SCMP.
1: And it's paid. Ultra transparency.
0: Thank you. I was thinking Eugene. about that
1: because I was like, I haven't. Shared it anywhere because I haven't watched it yet. I generally don't like watching myself.
0: This is Making It Up, a podcast where we tell you what's happening in creative culture and why it matters. I'm Sheri Spoon, and my co-host is Eugene Can.
1: We don't always have all the answers, but we try our best to reach a conclusion that adds value to the conversation.
0: If you like this podcast, please share an episode with a friend. We really appreciate it. You don't mind listening back to yourself, so it's the watching yourself. Yeah, I think I look
1: stupid. Yeah,
0: wait, you think I look stupid? Oh,
1: it's never other people, it's always my own relationship with myself. I
0: mean, I don't know what this is gonna say, but you look like yourself in that video. So if you think you look stupid, I'm here to tell you that that is how you look.
1: So I had to do makeup, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of now I understand contextually from. A female's perspective, like the impact of makeup, not necessarily on the physical side, but the the psychological side of needing to put on makeup.
0: Did you feel more confident? No, it just
1: feels that you actually feel shitty about yourself because you're like, oh, like you think you might, you might, you might might think you look fine. And then I go up and say, yo, let me, let me, let me fix this shit up. Let me fix that shit up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But then when I'm wearing makeup, I feel so much more confident because I know I did my makeup.
1: I feel the opposite. I mean, maybe it's different, but... I
0: mean, there's obviously different reactions. Yeah. I guess the other thing to talk about is, unfortunately, this is only our second in-person recording, but now we will not be in the same city. It was easier to find a time when we actually were not in the same city. Yeah. I'm flying in, what? Less than 24 up. hours. Yeah. Mud.
1: Back to London. Yeah. And then <laughs> going to pack up a few things and then head to L.A.
0: That's not been announced yet, but I guess now is as good a time as any other.
1: Oh, well, uh, yeah, Sharice is moving to LA. Damn. Everyone, if people have been listening to this long enough, they've actually seen your your, your sort of like move trajectory.
0: Way more happened to me than you, strangely. I'm still
1: in Hong Kong. In
0: the two and a half years since we started this podcast. Although I'll I'll probably spend more
1: time in Shanghai now.
0: Okay, so this is just like the announcements episode.
1: Everyone's like going to spend more time in a Different variety of places.
0: Yeah. We're going to have a hell of a time with time zones.
1: Wait, no, it'll be the same.
0: You don't think it'll be harder? No, it actually gonna be, be easier.
1: It's going to be easier. Oh. Because you can, assuming you'll do it at night. If you're okay yeah. doing it at 9 p.m. Yeah. slot, it's like 11 a.m. for me or something.
0: Oh, hey, who knew? Yeah. We're going to benefit from this. That's true.
1: You haven't even told anyone what you're going for you don't have to announce what you're doing no
0: i'm not i won't because what if my good friends listen to this podcast and then they're like wow charise you couldn't even tell me in person i found out through listening to making it up
1: i guess this was unscripted and i wasn't intending on talking about this but it's
0: fine yes i'm i'm moving in april to la so all of the la making it up listeners out there Come find me
1: I'm actually pretty excited because now you can
0: I guess states-based is just something we're a little bit more familiar with
1: yeah in although general. London London's good too
0: Oh, I mean, I've, I've loved the people I've met in London. And it's been great, but I guess we do have some affinity yeah, whether it's wanted or not, it just exists. Are we going into it? Yeah, let's go. You go first. My subject this week is that there were a record number of podcast launches in 2019. And I actually found this from my Twitter feed when Avery Truffleman tweeted it, A the producer of 99PI who I interviewed.
1: Yeah. Check out that story. Actually, it's yeah, really good. It's a really good story.
0: So 2019, largest number of new show launches in podcasting history. And the following statistics all come from this podcast search engine, Listen Notes, which incidentally coming across this record was really cool to find out about listen notes, the product. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit too at the end of this. There were 246,782 new podcasts last year, rounding up, I'm just going to say 250,000. And that was a 40% increase compared to 2018. And the new podcasts that launched in the last two years, 2018 and 19, consist of half of all podcasts. So like podcasting was I mean, we already knew this sort of intuitively is that podcasting was like, you know, kind of slowly going along and then time, just exploded, and then boom, 2018, 2019 now consists of half of all existing podcasts. Can I, so can it's I pretty ask pretty wild. you a question? Yeah.
1: What part of that explosion is maybe based off of culture and not culture because everyone uses serial as the jump off point for podcasting, but do you think there's anything within the current landscape that suggests that's why podcasting got so popular? Is it us personally wanting to talk about things more or like to self-publish? Is it a self-publishing I actually think
0: one of the big reasons is tools Tools. for publishing. And I was going to mention this a little later, but it's a perfect answer to your question is that maybe people had the desire before 2018, but not only was there a surge in popularity in terms of consumption, but there was also a surge in accessible tools for producing that material. I think
1: they both feed into each other and they both spin up accordingly because by access to tools, more people create podcasts that create relevant content. And then once you see there's all these things out there, you soon recognize that, hey, maybe there's an opportunity or I can create my own podcast around something i believe in yeah so everything is kind of going up in tandem yeah like left foot right foot left foot, right foot
0: it's kind of like the same as the explosion of photography where there was a meeting of you know exposure to amateur photographers i don't use amateur as like a, a negative term just like you know regular people, people doing the photography ability to take a photo and then also like accessibility of really good cameras and yeah. those two things happening at the same time is sort of the same with what happened with podcasting in 27, 2018. I think that's great is like what you just said, you know, listening to things that you think are interesting and then getting inspired. Like, Hey, I would want to talk about these other things that are interesting to me.
1: One thing too, that I was actually considering using as my topic, but I didn't, cause I don't think it was quote unquote meaty enough was just also the continued evolution And one thing we've always recognized is that audio is very hard for discoverability. If you ever have to cut audio, what's tough about it is that it's not like I'm reading something and I can just like look at it and I can, oh, I wanna cut out this piece. I wanna rewrite this piece. You have to work with what you have or what you've recorded. For the most part, there are tools now that are being developed where like it can assess my voice and then it can utilize that as a pattern for me to say something else. And this is like, off to the side right but now that we have such strong ai driven transcription tools what it does is that sharice and i could go and transcribe this podcast and then soon that would be a searchable database right you could just put this up like we we definitely do transcripts on some of the pieces um that allow you to follow along like let's well, say you we do listen. transcripts
0: for all of the making stories for the stories correct yeah and that is not just because for accessibility reasons so people who who are not able able to listen to it can read about what you were just saying about being able to go through an archive and find something again. And actually that's, you hit directly on one of the reasons why I want to talk about this subject because what I think is interesting with this podcast explosion is the ecosystem around podcasting. I think podcasts are evidently here to stay, not a fad like they're not going to drop off. There was another stat I wanted to talk about, which was that uh, along with the new podcast increase, the death rate of podcasts has decreased. So more podcasts are staying alive and being sustained. So that means really positive things in general for the, I guess, creator community, which is that people are both interested in making and then have the commitment to keep things going. So that's pretty exciting. And then I think that means that what you're talking about tools is can only be in the future. Like they must be coming up this greater ecosystem of searching or libraries or archives, all the things around podcasting that we have around music and movies and television. Like I think that will come.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And I think that's pretty exciting. And that that's also why I wanted to talk about listen notes because listen notes, this is definitely not a paid ad but it's this search platform that searches all of podcasts that are in existence. And it, even though it's not perfect because it doesn't trawl through the audio transcripts, as you said, it does have really good search capability for like, let's say I was doing research on Eugene. I could search Eugene can, and it would find every episode that has you as or my a guest. appearance or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I do wonder in terms of the absolute quality of podcasting, if the actual rise of it will follow the same rise as some of the other creative industries. So what I mean by that is we talked about accessibility to the tools and then also just like the, the visibility aspect of it. Right. But will we see an increasing amount of better podcasts in terms of like, I guess what I should probably preface why I think this way. Like what I think is, I think you'll have better and better podcasts come come online. But I think the one thing that will hold it back is still that the medium is still very different. Mm. Like I think that the, the lack of visual impact of podcasts, which because they're voice, right. I think it actually is a little bit more difficult for you to create viral moments. I think that Mm. visual stuff still drives virality. Right. And then on top of that, I think this is something that's also another side is Spotify just launched like a new, uh, way of monetizing podcasts like a new ad network type thing.
0: But maybe it just has to come in marketing somehow or in the ways that you talk about podcast episodes because books are also not exactly viral in the sense that you have to read a whole book.
1: But then I could also easily screenshot a book passage, right?
0: Right. So something like that needs to start existing for podcast episodes. I know it's not as easy. They
1: they do kind of have like anchor has built in tools for that. Yeah. But I think that's the one thing that I see as the two deficiencies. And I don't don't mean that in a bad way, just so much of like, these are things that will need to be fixed.
0: Like we try to do it manually on the making social media where we excerpt parts of making it up and share it on IG stories. But obviously in order for podcasts to really grow in, majority popularity, then everyone has to be able to do that. Like someone could listen to this episode and be like, I really liked what Cherise and Eugene said here on Apple Podcasts. Can I clip like this one minute and then share it? Which they can. Can they?
1: On Anchor they can.
0: Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah.
1: But it's also not that great of an experience. And it's not easy. Yeah. The thing is not easy because it's the one thing I find a lot when you're editing audio is that you have to re-listen a lot. Yes, you reread when you're editing, but it's not like you're doing it four or five times you or just it would look. have
0: to i mean it's hard for me to imagine this happening but just like projecting into the future like instagram has music for their ig stories mm-hmm. where you can just go through like the popular songs and then pair it to your photo what if they had that for podcast episodes mm-hmm. obviously it would just be like the most popular podcast out there if it was automatically generated but in theory that could happen yeah so there is that barrier there is that difference just like in the medium and for podcast to be podcast it just has to be a continuation of audio like once it becomes audio visual i don't really think of it as a podcast in the same way mm-hmm. but i do think it's possible for it to still get like that kind of popularity that might keep it from ever being as big as like right the yeah. movie or tv industry i'm not but, saying it needs to be yeah. as
1: big it's more that These are the things that if they were solved, I think it would further accelerate the growth.
0: Actually what I think is really exciting is just that you know how the last two years there's been an increase in kind of podcast production companies like Gimlet and Spotify and Luminary, these bigger entities who have the money to put behind podcasts. But also because there were so many new podcasts last year that I have to believe that a lot of them were side projects. Yeah. Like personal passion projects. And that to me is News that I like to read.
1: It seems like the most sustainable way for podcasts to kind of come up will be the ones from existing media companies. Because if you look back on how blogs came up, I think it was much easier to build a blog business back in the day than it is now.
0: But podcasting doesn't have to, I guess, I don't think of it as needing to be a business.
1: Correct. But I'm just saying that if you want this to sustain itself, right? Like there has to be a pivotal moment. And I think that you saw a lot of podcasts uh, struggle because they weren't able to get that immediate traction. But one thing is that if you look at how blogs came up, they had access to like Google AdSense and whatnot. And that allowed them a certain foundation they could grow off of. But if you never achieve that sort of financial foundation, then maybe it will only ever be a passion project. And as we know, passion projects have the have a much higher incidence of failing because at some point someone's like, oh, you know what? I need to make money or whatnot.
0: Yeah. Um, I think of another barrier. I was going to also say the thing about Google AdSense, but another barrier is that when you had your blogger, for example, or Blogspot or whatever it was, people could comment really easily and you could interact with your audience and podcasting doesn't really have that. And that can be another motivator. Like even if you don't have that ad revenue, if you know that you have this, dedicated audience and you can communicate with them and that can keep you encouraged and podcasting doesn't really have that same comment system
1: yeah yeah everything now is just so much more difficult because you have comparatively less attention
0: i feel like i should mention the founder of listen notes since all of these stats came from listen notes originally it's this person named webian fang who is based in sf founded it in two thousand and seventeen after being frustrated by existing search platforms out there. It was a personal need, started as a side project and then clearly became useful to other people. Now it's this full time job that he runs entirely by himself. So and he's really passionate about both podcasting and search capabilities and really believes in podcastings as archival material that can be useful for people. Yeah. So he has this sort of like objective podcasts should be as much of a research material like books are in a library Mm -hmm. that you could go through that material and look for what you need.
1: And it's especially interesting because you can utilize it for far more context given there's a lot more interviews given like podcasts generally follow an interview format.
0: And it would be like firsthand sources. Exactly. Yeah. If more people just had that easy ability, like you were saying to like find it and then go through It just takes a little bit more effort right now.
1: Yep. Anything else?
0: One last thing. It's a little bit of an aside, but another stat was that 78% of all podcasts right now are in English. And I wonder if there will be a trend of increasingly more non-English language podcasts.
1: There has to be. But I remember a few years ago, I was talking to a friend in Japan um, and I was like asking him how the Japanese podcast landscape was and he's like oh it's like non-existent
0: yeah I had yeah. a Japanese know, friend tell me the same thing I know year. China
1: has a growing podcast industry like one of the big companies are actually out of China uh, I forget the name of it but basically they've tried to create uh, monetization structures around podcasting and I think mm. that's a big benefit mm.
0: the other top four languages if you're curious are Spanish, German, French, and Portuguese. So Europe centric. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's just something that could be, that could come up or not. Honestly, I could see it not really happening in the next few years either. And still it being majority English. Yeah. I'm happy to be, well, I guess between us, we're three of those existing 400,000 podcasts out there. Yeah. It also makes me feel better just like about our listener count, Cause like, Obviously, not everyone can subscribe to everything and listen to everything.
1: I mean, it's about getting visibility, right? I think that's the most difficult thing for anything. And I think that actually will probably be part of the conversation we'll have in my topic. Should we move on? My topic this week is what is the fusion. <laughs> my topic this week is what is the future of fashion PR after BlackFrame closes its doors. Before I jump into like what BlackFrame is, uh, I think more often than not, people have less familiarity with some of the behind-the-scenes companies that help run uh, certain industries, like the more forward-facing stuff. So, in the context of BlackFrame, they are a PR company that was started by Brian Phillips in 2004. And actually, the launch of Blackframe is pretty interesting. Brian Phillips launched this after connecting with Hedy Slimane, who suggested he should consider doing a PR company and that Dior Ohm, who Slimane was working for at the time, uh, would pick up their services and basically be like a first client. He also played a role in getting LVMH to hire Carol Lim and Umberto Leone to work at Kenzo after a discussion with the chief exec of LVMH at the time, Pierre-Yves Roussel. And this was at a time when the duo actually hadn't done a lot of runway. They were definitely on the rise in their career but this was an opportunity for them to kind of flex in a different way and like sort of work I want to say in the next in the sort of next level of fashion coming from opening ceremony where they weren't they were maybe not necessarily a high fashion house or mm-hmm. they definitely not yeah. they're definitely not a high fashion house.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Yeah.
1: And over the past few years Black Frame has developed a pretty good client list like nike herschel supply helmet lang kenzo and converse and some of these guys have been working with them for a long time it's not just like hey we just picked them up like last year it's something we've been working with it's they're, they're people we've been working with for a long time
0: like 10 years
1: yeah plus, some of yeah, them yeah some over yeah. a decade one thing i thought was interesting was you know in the realm of pr and it's like trying to enhance brand in a way and it's trying to create visibility without necessarily paying for it. You know, like you're just reaching out to people. You're hoping people understand your brand and they want to on their own interest, write About it's your trying brand. to
0: generate passion for a brand. Correct. That's real
1: without paying for it. And it's more like yes. you going in. Yeah. The, well, I, if
0: you were paying for it, then it wouldn't be genuine. Exactly. It's like trying to get people excited about a brand because they're actually excited about it. Yeah. So how do you talk about it in a way that makes it exciting?
1: Correct. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. As Once again, Sharice, just like clarifying my complex thoughts. You're welcome. This was, I think, relatively big news within fashion, right? Because Black Frame is arguably one of the bigger PR firms out there. And both the Business of Fashion and Vogue Business reported on this. Both of those platforms are like-
0: Quite literally in the name.
1: The importance of them in the context of fashion business. But uh, in this quote from Vogue Business, Philip says, the center of gravity for information has splintered into a million pieces, aka media fragmentation. In that process, I think the power that came from being in PR has been diffused to a great degree. When I look at what the future holds, it's a fusion between the worlds of content with film and TV and advertising. I think they're going to merge. No, I have absolutely no bone to pick with that. I think that's 100% valid. We've talked about it yeah. a lot. I think last week too.
0: I think it's really impressive that he, while in the industry, while being this leader with great experience, can see so clearly what's happened to the field that he is in.
1: I think there's still definitely going to be PR companies out there that exist, but I don't know if they will be as quick to react as Phillips, Cause like, I would say that most people are pretty surprised by this. Cause it's not like they were necessarily seen as someone that was it was like it wasn't like people looked at Black Frame and were like, "Oh, it's time for you to
0: mm-hmm. close
1: up shop, right?" It was. I think it's in some ways a bit of a surprise.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, I don't
1: know the behind the scenes, to be honest. Maybe this was something that was kind of in the tea leaves, which apparently there was a, a holiday gift that suggested that perhaps like they were gonna close up shop soon.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think it's well. Obviously, this is hindsight, but also from Vogue Business, it, you cited the phillips role in getting lvmh to hire carol Lim and Humberto leon which is so not a traditional pr related move oh. but that's kind of the thing that phillips is interested in slash is maybe the way pr will work in the future which is more of this nebulous understanding of the industry and like anything around it yeah
1: and i i definitely agree that Entertainment and advertising are two things that go hand in hand. It's almost as though that fork in the road needs to be very clear. Because I think that if it's not entertainment, then and it's more journalistic, then perhaps it needs to actually rid itself of advertising.
0: Mm. Or,
1: I mean, this is, I don't want to get into it. Also,
0: advertising can be entertaining. Exactly. Well, advertising should be entertaining. To you technically
1: degree. just watch something at the beginning of this that was...
0: Yes, we did at the very beginning of like this Like my thing for my phone is
1: pretty much that.
0: It's both advertising and entertainment.
1: Yeah. The title for this piece is one that I actually chose myself. I didn't want to go, because I think if it just led with Black Frame, it'd be like, oh, what's Black Frame, right? But one of the passages within, I believe, let me just double check which one this came from.
0: And your subject line was, what is the future of fashion PR?
1: There's another passage from the Vogue business article that was written by Christina Binkley. I forgot to mention that. And it suggests, and it asks, is public relations dead? Not yet, but the shifts that Phillips is addressing are far enough along that anyone contemplating a PR career should be closely studying related fields of entertainment and advertising. Other major support players in fashion have been shifting from traditional fashion show productions and PR driven events as brands reevaluate traditional marketing budgets against social media channels And paid influencer campaigns. So now it's like really understanding that in some ways it's like you cannot just pick one place to drop an idea in hopes it'll reach everybody because it doesn't work that way anymore, right? Like you almost, maybe it's a reverse where you need to hit up a bunch of different people and then also understand their relevance to your brand that you're trying to market. But the challenge becomes the more people that you're trying to reach, the less tailored the messages right so it's kind of a catch-22 the process needs to change and you need to be aware of what's going on let's say in the world of instagram tiktok yeah streaming youtube etc like that's something that actually makes your job infinitely more difficult so much harder
0: because instead of launching one global all-encompassing campaign now you would have to do something tailored as you're saying for, this is good for the TikTok audience. This is good for Instagram. This is for the YouTube channel and have an understanding about what people are on each of those platforms yeah. and their perception of your brand. And it, that, that does sound very complicated. What else about Black frame makes you interested in them or in Phillips as a person?
1: I think I'm always interested when traditional businesses need to evolve and reinvent themselves mm-hmm. or even in the case of BlackFrame, recognize that their time is up and they need to change how they add value because in many ways BlackFrame is in the realm of brand building right mm-hmm. and they recognize that pr may not be the best way for them to build brand so maybe they actually double down because this is one thing they've also mm-hmm. really uh, they've really focused on in the past was like the creativity side of it and like bringing a creative slant to what they do. Yeah. And by doing that, I think it becomes less about, Hey, give me your message and then I'll send it to some people I know. It really becomes different because it's about going in there and helping to find, I guess, stories that they believe to be important or interesting and perhaps even going on to create those stories and becoming, you know, and then applying, the accessibility of self publishing. So they don't have to wait for other people. And that's the whole thing, right? Like self publishing has allowed us to have a voice without needing anyone else's permission.
0: Yeah. Related and I think that's to the most subject. interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely cool to see a company and a founder decide instead of trying to pivot my company and make this big change to fit the future. Actually, we've had a really good run as it is, and we're going to take a step back and see like, reevaluate what the industry needs in terms of p r or like creative input.
1: I think that's going to be the most interesting thing is like this massive blurring of the lines, where usually in the past, it was like the ecosystem was quite clear, right? Like you're a publisher you're you're a retailer, you're a designer, and now there's no reason why a media company can also sell goods that they work with in tandem with a designer, mm-hmm. for example. So they've consolidated that all and then taking that almost in-house in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's also the issue that would arise with that is being able to talk about what you do with great yeah. clarity. Yeah. Whatever Phillips does next, he does have obviously this great CV of doing Black Frame and the work that he did with Black Frame. But if he starts a new venture, he would have to find a way to describe, okay, this is actually the services that we're providing.
1: Yeah. Maybe we can end off on what we think that sort of future-facing company or what what needs to be addressed from a challenge standpoint. And if you were to rebuild a PR company or a PRS company today, what would it look like?
0: I don't know if I have insight on that.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like if ultimately the goal is about building brand, I think in some ways. It just has to be something that really understands content very well.
0: Mm. And
1: what I mean by that is that content, it has proven to be sort of one of the easier ways for you to get in front of people. Not easier. I think that's the wrong word to use. It's an effective way if done well. Can be cost effective as well.
0: Phillips himself has two ideas. Him being the expert. One is that using AI more. In operations, I don't know exactly how that would work, but that's one of the things he suggested. And the other thing he suggested is having a greater connection with entertainment groups between fashion brands and entertainment groups. So I'm just going to take from him and say like that would be his reconsideration of what a PR company needs to think about. Yeah, I guess like new tech, which makes sense because fashion PR is pretty old industry as long as fashion has been around. And then just establishing more solid, easy connections with the entertainment groups. Media. Yep. Yeah. I think that is a good place to cap things off for the day. If you are interested in hearing more about Macon, reading and listening to some of our stories, focus on the sights and sounds of creative culture, you can visit us at macon.com, M-A-E-K-A-N.com.
1: You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by reviewing us on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a friend.
0: Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at sharice at macon.com, C H A R I S, or eugene at eugene at E U G E N E. We love hearing from you. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And
1: this is Making It Up.